fascinating gadgets. Gizmos. And gear based technologies. So I'm sitting here with Dr. Michael Denon, certified genius, uh, professor, vice provost. Um, how are you doing, Dr. Denon? I am doing great. Uh, and, and i got Ben Seepser here. He is the engineer. Denon's the physicist. You're the engineer. Yes. Um, you're at an undisclosed location. I can't say where you work. It's highly confidential. That's but you correct. are, in fact, a rocket That's scientist. That's because Stark Industries doesn't reveal where they what work. What did I sorry. just say? Oh, We're trying to keep this confidential. <laughs> now you must die. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have an internship with uh, Stark, just like <laughs> Peter Parker. <laughs> Another spoiler alert. Um, all right, so let's... <laughs> That's like in the first 10 minutes. I think that's all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's. So you know who dies in the next. <laughs> <laughs> God. All right. So w when we talk about Iron Man, Iron Man is probably, you know, it's funny because when I was growing up, he always had like a really, it was always the bright red and yellow suit. It's always like kind of lame. I was never an Iron Man fan growing up. You know, it wasn't really until the movies came out. And I would say that Robert Downey Jr. actually made Iron Man cool. Um, you know, yeah. I think so. I think there's some truth yeah. to that. Because he's kind of like a poor man's Batman in a way. He's not as, like, so I would rather. He's richer. We don't know. Come on. Uh, yeah. We don't. <laughs> they no refuse to release their tax returns, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is an ongoing problem <laughs> with the DCN. Maybe that's universe. the next battle: who's richer, <laughs> Bruce Wayne or uh, Tony Stark? I think that that's we'll tackle that next. Uh, but <laughs> it's essentially, money doesn't matter. I mean, it's like Scrooge McDuck, right? It's just a it's just a, a pit full of money. It's unending. They can do whatever they want. There's no there's no financial limitations on the innovations. Right. Right. That's yes. tag. That's that should be the tagline for uh, <laughs> Stark Industries. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, so when it when it comes to Iron Man, and there's a lot of different iterations of Iron Man suit, but let's talk about the cool stuff, right? Sure. What do you guys think is the the best part of Iron Man's the innovation of Iron Man, the suit itself? So for me, I really think it's the question of how close did they get to really having a personal suit that allows you to fly, mm -hmm. right? I mean, jetpacks have been a dream of humans. Um, and we have various versions that do kind of work, but mm -hmm. none that work in as cool a way as Iron Man suit. Um, mm -hmm. And and for better or for worse, at least in the first movie, they try to give you a sense of how hard this really is, right? It's not like he builds a suit and he flies and he's successful, mm -hmm. yeah. right? He builds version one and almost kills himself, and and it takes a few tries. He killed himself. Let's let's well, be real yeah. about those okay. impacts. <laughs> yeah. So. But it's a movie, <laughs> yeah. you know, and in movies, you, you don't hit as hard as it looks. Um, that's fair. But, but, you know, whether or not that's actually achievable engineering-wise is still, I think, in my mind, an open question. But then, as a physicist, I still don't think airplanes should fly, so I'm in a minority. <laughs> um, or bumblebees, really. Or bumblebees, really, yeah. for that matter. But I do think, to me, that's one of the most exciting things, because if you could really achieve that you know, flying suit idea. I think that's been a dream of humanity for, for as long as we could imagine mm -hmm. um, flying. Since Deadliest and Icarus. Since Deadliest and Icarus. Deadliest, yeah. Or yes. however you say his however name. However you say his name. Those two guys, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, and, you know, and we, we're gonna, we tackle that a little bit in the Hoverboard episode, so you should listen to that, because I think that that answers some of the questions you're talking it, about it, it, similarly. It does, but the suit idea is just even cooler than the standing on the hoverboard idea. Sure. Uh, I, wax wings are cool to me too. I'd love yeah. to make that. Uh, what about you, Ben? What's your favorite part? 
I like the idea that of the protection that especially the impact protection, like when, you know, spoiler alert on Civil War. Aye, when, aye, aye. <laughs> You're like spoiler master. You're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you, if you watch Civil War, you know, when Rhodey falls dead stick from, I don't know, 10,000 feet or whatever they claimed it was, he's, I mean, he obviously he gets hurt, but he survives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you did that as a normal person, you will be very, very dead. Very dead. So, so the idea that this thing can kind of hold you together and minimize your G loads when you get, get hit by something, that, that to me is pretty cool. Right. No, that is pretty amazing. I like that. And I also like, especially in Iron Man 3 with the whole suit flying onto you part where he, you know, all the little pieces each can fly themselves to him. That part to me was really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you can do that with magnets or like individual propulsion systems. Yeah. Yeah. Like each piece of the suit has its own little jet or rocket on it, which I thought was really cool. It's cool. It is. I mean, visually, it's cool. But like, oh, my God, if you have to gas all those up, like every little part you have to put gas in, like how annoying would that be? Well, I, would, I think Jarvis does it, right? Jar- no, he's the, <laughs> he's the artificial intelligence. Yeah, he's got the arm. He can, he can hold a gas can. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems <laughs> tedious. Anyway, so when we're talking about the Iron Man suit. It seems like an easy problem. It seems like I've tossed a softball at both of you guys. But in actuality, I have not because there are several aspects that we're going to talk about here. Because Iron Man soup is, soup, <laughs> Iron Man soup is delicious, <laughs> and the Iron Man suit is very, very complex. Um, and it has a lot of moving parts, no pun intended. Uh, so let's hit on some of them. You want to talk about the propulsion first since you like that, or the floating part? It's not floating. Yeah. Well, I, I think the flying and the propulsion flying, is an that's interesting the word I'm one. looking for. Flying. Um, because he clearly flies through, basically, I think they make it look like jet propulsion. Yes. Would you agree? You know, um, agree. with exhaust. And so. Exhaust the, fumes. Exhaust fumes. They help it fly. There's two, there's at least two basic problems. One is the um, getting enough lift. Uh, and what's interesting about that is you look, there's a lot of scenes where he's flying basically like an airplane, horizontal and flat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the propulsion is coming to make him go forward. So the lift is not being generated by the rockets. The lift is apparently you know, being generated by him suddenly becoming an airfoil. And that's often a challenge, right, to think yeah. about from a physics point of view. Now, he often has his arms out to his side, so it looks really cool like he's an airfoil, sort yeah. of. Um, but where, where you can imagine, where are those airfoil surfaces, how is he getting his lift, What's you an know, airfoil? Oh, sorry. An airfoil. Uh, Excuse just, me. Pardon yeah. me. Not everyone's certified well, Let's genius. just call it an airplane wing. Okay. Got it. Right. You know. That's called an airfoil? An airfoil is the structure that's going to give you the lift, that you're going to get I you see. off in the air. So the wing is generally considered an airfoil. Or like a propeller blade on a Or like a propeller a blade on a fan or something. Okay. All right. Now, um, with Superman, there's this similar challenge often, not to change topics, and you might argue his cape provides the lift. You know, it Who takes would the argue right that? Um, some people. Would you argue that, Ben? You know, no, um, he's magical. Well, he's magical, too. <laughs> but, but you at least have a cape that can take the shape of a wing and give you lift. But it's not okay. solid or rigid. It's not, but, you know, I'm just saying it's there. You're the physicist. I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Well, again, spoiler alert, Batman's cape gets electrically, magnetically charged to take the shape of an airfoil. Right, Imagine I, Superman's. Anyway, let's go back to Iron Man. No, let's go back to I'm <laughs> calling an absolute for, forbidding any more spoiler alerts from this point forward. Okay, go on. good. No more spoiler alerts. So Iron Man, when he dies in the movie. No, I'm <laughs> 
Oh my god. All right. <laughs> Iron Man just has that trouble of generating lift, I think, at the end. Mm-hmm. But what, what they do do, which I like, mm-hmm. is he has a lot of little mini jets for both steering and stability. Yes. So it's an interesting conundrum. They, they seem to want to use lift to have him fly when he's horizontal, but they recognize that he probably, you know, an airplane turns often by adjusting the shape of its wings mm-hmm. and various things and actually tilting to use some of the lift to generate the turn. And so we're used to that visual of the airplane banking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Iron Man does tend to bank, but they really do have these added jets that they create are the reason he turns. So I like that. So I, I feel there's, there's good and bad in Iron Man's flying. Um, and that's just from the naive physicist's point of view who doesn't think an airplane should stay in the air because it's heavy. <laughs> right. So I'll turn it to the engineer to correct everything I said that was wrong. Okay. Well, I, I think the th- well, it's true that when Not he- to put Ben on the spot. <laughs> you absolutely did. It, All right, it's true that when he's flying sideways, he would need to be providing lift somehow. And whether that's coming from his body somehow being a body wing or whether it's because maybe his feet are just pointed down a little bit too. And I... I, I tend to go to that way of it because we know that he can fly straight up so obviously and he can fly up straight straight up very very fast so we know for sure that his his engines have a very high thrust to weight ratio by the way i really like that his feet pointed down a little had not thought of that i may have to like decertify myself just a little bit but i'm not really going to do that sorry i i may i may um so so we know that his 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 engines his jets or rockets or whatever they are must provide, I mean, he takes off like a rocket. So he probably has a thrust to weight at least five, six, maybe even 10 to one. Like he can really book it off mm. the ground. So it's not conceivable that if he angles it, you know, like 10, 15 degrees, that he could fly level, no problem. I wouldn't worry too much about that, that aspect of it. Um, and when you talk about the banking, as that's what we're used to, I think it's also important from a, a G, from a lateral uh, G's perspective. If he did a, you say a lateral G's perspective. Yeah. If he did a straight, if he did, if he did, a li- a, I think that's a line from Dr. Dre from a lateral <laughs> G's perspective. <laughs> Does, are you the lateral G? Exactly. All right. So if he did a, if he did a flat turn, so basically, uh, if he just, yeah, I wish this isn't a visual medium, but if he stayed flat and turned to the left or the right, uh-huh. all of a sudden all of his body is going to want to shift sideways, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. your body wants to keep going straight. Your rocket engines are now pointed to the side. So, so your armor's pointed to the side, but you're wanting to go straight. And that's not a G-load that human bodies are very good at supporting. Mm-hmm. If you ride a roller coaster, you'll notice all the turns, you bank up to make that turn. And the, the objective of that is to have the, the G-load either go straight through your chest or... Um, straight down to your feet because those are the two G loads that human bodies can survive for sustained periods. And if you did a flat turn, wouldn't be very good. Now yeah. we already talked about how the armor clearly has some G suppression right. capability, mm-hmm. but a sustained flat turn, I don't think so. <laughs> well, and, and that makes a lot of sense, but but it, it helps with the visual. It helps protect him. Yeah. But Again, it's also, I think, cool that he's still using his jets for that bank turn. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it's very important that he has the, the thrusters in his hands, too, to, to control himself. Because if you just had jets in your feet, you'd have a lot of trouble um, doing any sort of flying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be very difficult. 
Well, the one thing that's important to mention here, because I'm going I'm to talk about a guy, the British Iron Man, they call him. And so yes. he's made a, a suit that's very similar to this. It's more for defense purposes, but I guess so was Tony Stark's, right? Um, but there's a, so the several aspects that are in play here are, are the exoskeleton, uh, which includes the armor, right? So it's both exoskeleton and armor, which is similar but different. We can talk about distinctions later on. But then it flies. It's a communication thing, and it also has protection not only from bodily harm and G-load, uh, which I don't even know what a G-load is, but it sounds dangerous the way you just talked about it, and also uh, protection from, in the form of weaponry, uh, which also all has to be crammed onto this one suit. Uh, so let's talk about the British Iron Man. This guy's amazing. You guys, have you guys heard about this? Yes. Okay. Uh, so this is, in real life, this guy basically created an exoskeleton with, I believe, six turbines. And so they're on his arms. He, he wanted to have them on his feet. It didn't work. And they're basically like three on each hand. And they're little turbine engines. And he controls himself with those and can fly. So there's, there's real-world application of this going on right yes. now. Um, so how is it just take miniaturization that would cause it? Because th- that's kind of the whole suit. You know, you can't really put anything else on it. Flying just takes up a lot of space, yeah. a lot of technology. Uh, I don't know what's probably a word for it in engineering, but, you know, a lot of space for technology. Volume, volume. usually is what you use. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Technology volume and volume. mass is generally what you talk about in something like this. And, yeah, a propulsion system that can lift, say, a 180-pound human, not to mention the 100-something pounds of armor, Right. We don't really know how much it weighs, but... And yeah, the more know, things you add, the more it weighs. Yeah, and, and, but a typical, like, a suit that a knight would wear would weigh 100 to 150 pounds. So I suspect Iron Man's suit is similar. But the... So what he's using is basically just model rocket engines. Or not rocket engines. Model, model, rocket model jet engines. Oh, okay. So basically you can buy turbo uh, jets. You can buy these little you know, com- straight up jet engines that are about the size of, you know, like a, you know, big, you know, one of those big uh, planners nut mix. Uh. <laughs> what an interesting <laughs> scale. A planner's <laughs> a nut size, planner's nut size jet engine. Yeah. One of those, you know, one of the this, really big jars. Uh-huh. Uh, you yeah. can get jet engines that are about that size and they put out about, you know, 30 to 40 to 50 pounds of thrust. And, you know, with six of those, you can, you can easily fly. And so, the problem is you need fuel. Mm-hmm. You know, jet engines are thirsty, so you have a problem of where does all where's all the fuel on Iron Man's suit coming from, and where is mm-hmm. it being stored? There's no indication of a fuel tank. Whereas if you look at this guy, he has a fuel tank on it, and he has mm-hmm. and he can't fly that long, if I remember. No, correctly. it's very it's very yeah. short distances. Uh, but but what's so well, first of all, his name's um, Richard Browning. And he's created a company called Gravity, and it's called the Deadliest Suit, which is Deadliest. What, we, what do we decide on? Daedalus, Daedalus maybe. Okay. <laughs> Pronunciation is not my key thing here. Right. Uh, it's kind of my gimmick. It's all Greek to you, right? <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. I'm cutting that one out. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's pretty amazing because he also inherently had to have what you're talking about is in his helmet, there's a, a visual display of how much fuel's being used, yeah. which brings in that this needs to be a communication device. There has to be a lot of electronics, a lot of computer computers on board, not only controlling the, the yip and the yaw and the roll and the bank <laughs> that you guys were talking about, not only all of that, but also fuel consumption uh, and other so, stuff. So, Dan, you bring up something very interesting. I, I think you usually do. And you usually do. To me, the most realistic part of the suit is the communication system, mm. because everything else we don't really know how to miniaturize. I, I don't know how to solve the fuel problem, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, now, 
you might imagine um, doing something where, you know, they talk about this perhaps um, eventually for space travel where you scoop up the fuel as you're flying through outer space. So I don't know, maybe... We scoop it up where? I don't understand. Out yeah. of the interstellar dust. There's there's right. hydrogen just kind of floating the, around yeah. in space. So if you have a big scoop enough... Scoop it up? Yeah, yeah, if you have a big enough front intake to your spaceship, you can just kind of scoop all the hydrogen like in. Like the sun in Kellogg's Raisin Bran? Like two scoops of hydrogen? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. That's very... Okay. Okay. Right. So you... you I, I'm, I'm really stretching here, but I could maybe imagine that he's just getting his fuel out of the atmosphere somehow. Okay. Right. All and right. he has some sort All of... All right, let's intake. go with well, that. Like, I mean, the arc reactor is electric. You could be cracking the water vapor back right, into exactly. hydrogen and you, oxygen. Yeah, and you could crack the water vapor into so, hydrogen and oxygen. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> but, Can you crack water into hydrogen and oxygen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You split it, actually. But uh, crack cracking is, a good is way word. better. Yeah. yeah. No, I like crack. Um, <laughs> But, it's a crackling sound. <laughs> you know, figuring out how to make all the weaponry shrink yeah. down. Yeah. Right. I mean, the number of bullets he shoots out, I don't know where he's keeping them. I don't think he has bullets. He well, War Machine did. Though. War Machine. Yeah. Okay. This is yeah. Iron Man. No, I, oh it's, okay. God. Okay. But even, even oh my that. Oh, God. He has missiles he launches. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, missiles. Yeah, so he carries missiles. physical and a pulse things. Cannon. Yeah, and a pulse cannon. Yeah. Um, but really, the communications, I think, is, is a really cool thing because it does oh. point to. One of the amazing successes we have is our ability to miniaturize electronics, mm-hmm. right? And and also to continually improve our communication systems, you know. And artificial intelligence, which also is and, part of that communication right, system. Right, and, and the computing and the artificial intelligence. Um, so that piece of the suit is both really cool and, and perhaps the most um, likely. Now, even that does need some sort of a power source, but our batteries are even getting better and better Mm -hmm. for powering electronics. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it's good enough to power the rest of the suit is a different question. So I think think the electronics, the communication, that's all there. That's cool. I'm willing Mm -hmm. to accept that. Um, Some level of the protection, again, at the level Ben mentioned at the beginning of falling out of the sky, not sure how you do it. There's, you know, protecting yourself from damage is an interesting and challenging problem. and, and one of the best ways to do <laughs> to it, the least. well, one of the best ways to do it is to have whatever is using to protect you actually break in the process, right? Because uh-huh. you have a whole bunch of energy that's going to either damage you or damage the object, right? Right. And if you design it to damage the object, then it's all gone and it doesn't damage Better you. Better it than you. Exactly. Okay. Um, crumple zones. Cr- mm-hmm. Crumple zones. And, you know, that, that's got limited use, but it, mm-hmm. you know, can help you from the one big damage. Or ceramic pieces in, like, some bulletproof vests. Exactly. The exact same yeah. thing you're talking about. Yeah. But so I do think I do think his biggest problem with this suit is the th- stuff that supposedly all fits in it. Mm-hmm. Even and and you could magically say, oh, someday we figure out to miniaturize. But a lot of that stuff doesn't make sense to me as miniaturized either, mm-hmm. right? Because you know the missiles he launches, you're not going to like make miniature ones that suddenly get big and then launch it, <laughs> right? I mean, well, so now let's. What if so we anyway? Can... That that's that's my conclusion on the suit. Communications, electronics, cool. Yes. Flight, maybe you got to solve the fuel problem. Protection, okay. But I don't know where you're carrying all your stuff. Well, you, we're nowhere near the end, man. I got a lot of stuff I, I to talk about. I know, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, you're I'm, concluding. You're like that, wrapping me up. But that's I'm like, like a spoiler a alert for the end of this episode. Well, okay, all right. So <laughs> Along the lines of the electronics, what's really, I think, spot on about Iron Man and what they're, I think, has t- inspired some real-life stuff is the heads-up display that yeah. you see in the movie mm-hmm. where we absolutely have the capability of projecting on a, a windscreen or a, or on a helmet the all of this information. That's something you can totally do with mo- current technology with 
you know, laser projectors and things like that. And you can track mm -hmm. you with the little camera, you can track eye movement. So you can, you know, all the, there's tools to know where you're looking and you, it would be very easy to put that kind of system together. And they actually have helmets like that, that we use in our modern jet fighters where, you know, they put the altitude and the, all that stuff about the jet into the guy's helmet. So he doesn't have to look down at the gauges anymore. Well, I was going to talk about um, something else, but um, let's talk about the helmet for a yeah. second. Because there's actually a very incredible innovation going on right now in, in protective helmets in the British Special Forces. They have a helmet. It's called uh, the uh, DevTech. It's a DevTech design, DevTech designs. And basically, it's a bulletproof helmet that has this display you're talking about. That you can have it display whatever you mm -hmm. want it to display. Um, it's got fans to defog the mask. And um, it's important. And it has attachments for infrared and for night vision. Uh, so, th I mean, it's a very, this is like the, the integral, the gateway step in order to have like what you need for Iron Man. And they're yeah. not that expensive. It's only $2,000, which seems like a lot, obviously. But when you're talking about protecting your head and having all that stuff, that's very, very reasonable. You can just buy that? Yeah, man. DevTechDesigns.com. Hmm. That's buzz marketing right there for you. Yeah, so, the, I mean, it's out there, and it's in, it's incredible, and the Special Forces are using this, uh, in British Special Forces. I imagine some other people are using it, too. Um, so you just proved our point. I'm just saying it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's, yeah, you're no, right. that, it's very that real. Is, that is the, the technology that makes the most sense. Yeah. Now, let's talk about exoskeletons, which is where I was going with this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, this is going to blow your mind, especially the science fiction fans, although your fandom, not knowing about War Machine versus Iron Man, uh Disappointed, I'm not going to say the least. But anyway, there's a company called Cyberdyne Systems. And for those of you, this is a yeah, real you company. you confused Iron Man's soup with his suit. So. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> All right. Point for Denon. Nice job. Uh, so there's a company called Cyberdyne Systems. And this is a real company in Japan uh, named after the Terminator company, which I think is really weird. And they have a system called the HAL Torso System, which is named after the crazy robot in 2001. Now, they're supposed to be a very... Um, uh, Charitable, profitable, uh, charitable, like philanthropy company because they're basically creating exoskeletons for people who've lost movement in their legs, right. uh, but using both of those to very um, harmful, destructive systems seems like a weird way to name your company, if you ask me. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the HAL system. This thing is actually just starting to be sold on Monday, and they have the very catchy name. It's called the HAL Lumbar Type to Promote Independent Living System. Uh, they need to kind of tighten that up. But basically what these systems do is they attach to you, and they can detect your movements as you think about them. So that's where we are in, in the process, which uh, if you had that in the Iron Man suit, that's kind of what can create the power. Because Iron Man's just, Tony Stark's just a guy, but the suit's what makes him cool. But imagine having a suit that can think for you as an independent computerized system, but also has the impulses to know when you are going to move and think for you. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to, that's amazing. And I it's agree. Incredible. And it, what's a, it's I have to put in a plug because at UC Irvine. Uh-oh. This is a pre-approved sponsorship plug. We, we actually have a number of people in our engineering department who have been pioneers in this getting you to communicate with robotics as a person. Um, and getting it, me personally? Or? You personally, Dan. We've been looking at that. No. I, no. <laughs> um, but it, it is amazing that you can basically hook up the impulses from your brain to a computer, to a robotic thing, arm, leg, mm -hmm. whatever. Right and both train your brain and the computer to communicate with each other. So you can say, move my hand, and it moves your hand. 
Um, and it just shows the flexibility of the human brain and our ability to do computers. And you're right, I think, it's something people often overlook. For Tony Stark to use the suit effectively, there has to be some way for him to communicate from his brain mm -hmm. to the suit what he wants it to do. Right. Um, that there has to be that human-computer interface. Mm -hmm. um, and that is also something that we're able to do. So you're right. Any, anything electronic, com computational, that technology is, I think, often at or ahead of where movies um, hmm. are um, because we're moving so fast in that space and we're so good at it. Hmm. Um, so that, that really is cool. And, and you're right. Um, it's exciting that people are actually using it for these medical applications. Um, yeah. But you're, it is intriguing, the, the naming system they're Cyber choosing. Cyberdyne and Hal, it's very strange. Yeah. I mean, two of, in, in, in pop culture history, there haven't been two more deadly uh, computerized systems. That is very strange. Uh, so I think we've cracked this. I mean, miniaturization is the only problem here. So we're talking basically all the systems exist in some form or the other. Um, so it's just getting them into one suit. Yeah, and, and well, we, we do still have a minor issue with the weapons just in general because yes. they require the miniaturization, which you mentioned oh. was the problem. I was going to crack this nut for you. Though. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've already solved this. I, he, see, he I had solved it four missiles and then he's done? Is that no, the solution? No, no. But what if they're all energy weapons? And this was probably a question oh, for Ben. Yeah. So what if you did on a strict energy weapon system instead of, you know, I guess the analog would be... Oh, yeah. So the... What's, what I th what I find interesting is that his his hand jets are also the the pulse cannon the pulse cannon or yeah. whatever. So it that's interesting to me in the sense that is it is it a jet or is it a or is he like flying on his? Well, I, I do think here it could be ion plasma, weapon. right? Yeah. It, it could be flying on plasma. I mean, you can shoot out a jet of plasma mm -hmm. like you would standard jet fumes and gas. Sure. So it's not inconceivable, particularly since his hands aren't his main propulsion. No, they're right. So they're stabilizers. Right? They're more for stabilizers. So not not totally insane. You know, the problem with energy weapons in any of these situations. Yeah. Um, it, it it's often unclear. You know what they're intending the physics behind them to really be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because energy isn't really a thing. In physics, but that's okay. It, it's we we don't need to get technical here. Okay. Um, but plasmas are a thing. Lasers are a thing. So you have to decide what yeah. what thing it is that you're calling your energy weapon. And I think plasmas are often the best bet in these situations. Yeah. I mean, highly charged, highly energetic particles that do a lot of damage when they hit stuff. Okay. Yeah. You see, you <laughs> when you see somebody hit by that, there, there's a kinetic impact to it. They, they get yeah. thrown back. And if it was just a laser, you wouldn't have yeah. that. You would just get a fireball where it hit. Yeah. So presumably, yeah, it's directing something. But that solves the problem then. That solves the problem of space for weapons. Well, you, uh, if you solve the fuel problem, right? So yeah. we're, we're assuming here's the one assumption we have to make. That's that okay. he's made the leap to figure out how to harness the air through some intake oh, right. system uh -huh. to convert it to what he needs. But you can certainly imagine converting the air to plasmas. You can imagine converting the air to fuel, as we talked about earlier by cracking our water into right, hydrogen right. and oxygen. So it's not inconceivable, but I think that's that's the other key piece to this. Yeah, okay. And you have to assume the arc reactor is an incredible right. power source. Right. Well, yeah, but we're not going to talk about that because <laughs> that would just lead us down the path of darkness. Right, we'll, we'll, <laughs> let, we'll, we'll let that go. But so, yeah. so this all holds up, all of Denon's science? Yeah, no, you can tell, you could right. make a plasma out of... That's actually the easier one, I think, is you could 
generate plasma out of the atmosphere and yeah. with some magnets or something directed I mean, that's what at a high is. speed. Right. Yeah, 1.21 gigawatts. Uh, <laughs> anything else to add before we uh, or we just solve this one too? I think we've solved it. All yeah. right. Uh, well, if you want to continue the conversation, how can they get in touch with you guys? So I'm at Den and Michael on Twitter and at Prof, P-R-O-F, Den and Michael on Facebook. Okay. And I, what I am at B Seepser on Instagram and Twitter. Spell that for me, please. B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I am at Daniel J. Glenn on Twitter, at Analytical Mastermind on Facebook, and The Daniel J. Glenn on Instagram. Um, all right, guys, another one under our belt. Good work. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Go to Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies, the website, which is much easier, F-triple-G-B-T, that's F. GGGBT.com to learn more about all of our previous shows, learn about our experts, and even subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in with convenient links at the bottom of the FGGBT webpage. And if you like this show, you're going to like all the other things that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com to find out what those are and get involved with the fascination. Thank you for listening.